So I wasn't here last week. I don't know if you noticed or not. Um, but I'm so grateful for the, the people who led worship, but also the four people who spoke. Um, it was powerful. In fact, somebody mentioned to me, um, that was one of the most powerful non-herb sermons. <laughs> that we've, I'm going, I don't even know what that means. Um, but, and so I'd given them, and Matthew called me out on it in, in his section, uh, this idea of trust. Um, and each one of them spoke about trust in a different way. And each one of them, it was powerfully. Um, Susan, <laughs> Susan, you were so, can you believe I'm standing up here during sermon time? <laughs> and everybody else was going, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Randy's story about how the, being, taking a risk and then Kelly talked about the worm brands. Um, so trust was the theme, but what I noticed as I was watching it, it wasn't just trust, it was look to God. Amen. In, every, in every instance, it was look to God. And that is exactly what trust is, isn't it? It was not about the circumstances. Circumstances are the venue by which God shows up and, and causes us to trust Him. So thank you to those. And it was affirming because I sensed that that was the direction we were supposed to go. And, and um, it, was, it truly was an inspired time. I want you to take your outline out for a moment. And I want, if you would, write down What is it that has made you feel hopeless in the past or maybe even in the present? Or if you can't identify anything on your, on, you know, for yourself, looking around at other people's lives. What is it that makes people feel hopeless? Just write it down. I want you to have it firmly fixed there because we're going to come back and apply it as we talk about hope. What are the kinds of situations, the kinds of circumstances, the challenges, the difficulties, the pains that cause people to feel hopeless? Because hope is a big deal. Amen. Hope is a really big deal. I'll, I'll give you a chance to write that down. Hope is a big deal, and I've been sensing it for quite a while. As I've just observed people's lives and I've, observed, I've, I've listened to uh, people talk, watched people go through difficult times and get to the place where they were on the edge of wanting to give up. I've been there. And the devil constantly tries to use things to get us there. Mm -hmm. That's why the Bible talks so much about not giving up. That's why as Kelly highlighted last week, God has given us three, at least 366 verses that in some way talk about do not fear. Because fear can cause you to lose hope. Amen. When you think there's no way out, there's no option, there's, we are in a place where it just can't work out. And hopelessness is pervasive. The enemy tries to use it over and over. I heard just this week on the 
Breakpoint uh, podcast. And if you, if you don't listen to that, or if, uh, Breakpoint or the ColsonCenter.org, great podcast about having a, a godly worldview in a, in a world that is upside down. Um, but on, on Breakpoint, um, they were, they, so The World and Everything in It is another one. They were interviewing um, John Stone Street, and they identified, this is actually from a secular study from the CDC, came out with this information. Nearly 50,000 people in the United States died by suicide last year. They published the report on Wednesday. It says year to year, it's a rise of 3%. So from 2021 to 2022, suicides rose by 3%, which surprised me because there were a lot of deaths by despair during all of the, the, uh, the shutdown when people were not, not around other people and there was the loneliness. And I thought that would be, but in reality, it's getting worse. 3%, that's a high, 3% increase in suicides. Um, it says, it, and it's the highest number ever recorded in a single year going back to 1941. Hopelessness. Men are four times more likely than women to take their own lives. Hopelessness. So it got me thinking that um, that means there's some factor in our country that is causing people to get even more hopeless. And as, even as Christ followers, we're not exempt from whatever those factors are. And so when we look around at our world, it can feel hopeless. It can feel chaotic. It can feel like it's just getting worse and worse. And, and, and where's the hope? And it got me wondering this question. Is it possible that we are living, even as Christ followers, with more hopelessness than we realize? Is it possible that um, we are... Um, getting accustomed to resignation rather than having living hope? Is it possible that we've kind of just said this is the way it's going to be and, and, and we're, not, we're not going to commit suicide and we're not going to give up on Christ, but we're just, have, do you ever catch yourself thinking, I just need to make it through until Jesus takes me home? That's resignation. That's not hope. And I think God is challenging us to take a look to be sure to identify what real living hope is and lean into that so that we're living with that hope rather than resignation or just trying to make it through. Because there's a difference between surviving and thriving. And Jesus never call, called us to survive. He called us to thrive. Amen. Amen. So, is it possible that we're living with more hopelessness than we realize? And so my challenge is just to be open to God identifying, putting his, his finger on 
something like, and I think I told you before, um, several years ago, I remember thinking, I'm glad that I'm not a young person going into ministry in this world. After 40 years, you know, I've got some, I got way more years behind me than ahead of me. And God just slapped me. He's going, so you think this world is bigger than me? Or am I still the God of the universe who gives hope in hopeless situations? I'm going, okay, you're right, God. You're right, you're right. This is the opportunity. So here's the standard. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. In hope he believed against hope. In hope he believed against hope. Hope is not hope. It is not biblical hope unless you're in a situation where you have to choose to believe earthly, or heavenly realm in the unseen work of God even when it looks like in this world is hopeless. Hope against hope. Believing against hope. So let's dig into what the Bible says. What it means to live true biblical hope all the time in every way. So here's, what, uh, here's a, a definition of hope. An expectation or belief in the fulfillment of something desired. Expecting that we will receive what we desire. Hope is expecting we will get what we desire, that circumstances will be better, that life will be different, that this problem will be resolved. Hope is an expectation that something is going to be fulfilled. Or another definition is to look forward with confidence to that which is good. So I'm looking forward um, and in our culture, we've mixed wishing and hoping. And, you know, wishing is just that. It's just, it'd be nice if it was better. Um, but hope is confidence that something is going to be fulfilled, that a confidence that something good is going to happen. And so at the beginning of every project that people start, or the beginning of every sports season, or every school year, there's some people who have legitimate hope that during this sports season, this school year, it's going to be better. I'm going to have something fulfilled. There are other people who are just wishing. There are some sports team, the, the, the coach will stay in the locker room before the first preseason game and say, we can win it all. And it isn't true. It isn't even close to true. Because they don't have the players, they don't have the, they just don't have it. It's not going to happen. But then there are other teams that it's a legitimate hope. If things go well, and when there's not a lot of injuries, and if we play right and things fall into place, we have a legitimate shot at being the champion. So it's not wishing, it's hope. It's a confidence that something's going to be different. Hope lives in two different realities. So that's the next point there. Hope is lived in two coexisting realities. Sometimes you hear preachers, it's almost as if they dismiss that in this earthly realm you can have hope. No, that's not true. You can have hope in the earthly realm, but also hope in the heavenly realm. But they're two different kinds of hope. Um, and so a number of years ago, we began to develop this term. And I, well, I began and imposed it on you. 
some terminology that I realize that some of you that are newer probably are all that familiar with. So I put it down here. There are two different coexisting realities. There's an earthly realm. So the earthly realm is what you can see, taste, touch, feel. It's all this physical stuff. It's the material world. It's this, this earthly realm. I've also called it uh, the seen reality, things that you can see. Um, I've also used the term that which we live by sight. And so it's this earthly realm that we live in. But then there's a coexisting heavenly realm, unseen realm. That's, and when we talk about heavenly realm, oftentimes people think it's out there. It's right here. It coexists. So there's a heavenly realm and an earthly realm. There's a seen and an unseen all the time. So when Jesus came into this world, he was 100% God, 100% human. And he came and he brought his kingdom to earth. But it was an unseen kingdom. That's where we live. So we can have hope in the earthly realm, but we also have hope in the heavenly realm, which is the eternal biblical hope. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Is it warm in here? Can we turn the air on? In December, we're turning the air on. I'm just looking at people about to pass out, and I'm thinking, that can't be my sermon. It's got to be something else. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Anybody need a Bible? We just got a whole bunch of new Bibles back there. So if you want two or three at the same time, you can do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Anybody want to say amen? Amen. The older you are, the more you really, yeah. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. So we can be breaking down in the earthly realm and getting stronger in the heavenly realm. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So the difficulties of this world are causing us to put our focus on Christ so that we are gaining an eternal weight of glory in Christ. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Coexisting. So right now, right here, we have both earthly realm and heavenly realm. We have unseen and seen. We have the Holy Spirit moving among us right now. If you're getting any kind of insight or inspiration, or the Holy Spirit is moving. There are also... um, divine beings the Bible talks about that move among us that we don't see unless they reveal themselves to us. We're living, we're coexisting. And in that coexisting, there's earthly help or earthly realm hope and there's biblical unseen heavenly realm hope. And he says, we have to constantly be choosing. What are we going to depend on most? So he says, we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, temporary. They don't last. That's why we live in this earthly realm and we function with it and we need food and clothing and shelter and all these kinds of things, but we don't put our dependence, we don't put our trust, and we don't put our hope that that's going to satisfy on those transient things. We live with them, 
but we don't depend on them. But the things that are unseen are eternal. And then um, go to chapter 5, just a few verses down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. He follows up on this thought and says, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Talk about that perfect home of eternity. For we walk by faith, we walk by the unseen, we walk by the, the eternal heavenly realm, not by sight, not by the things that we could see, taste, touch, and feel. That's not what determines what we do. So we, we live with a certain amount of hope in this earthly realm, but we depend and trust on a hope that is beyond the seen. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, I put there for you. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. That's his motivation, his incredible love for us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. Made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved and not only saved, but raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, even though we're still living in this physical body, we're now citizens of an unseen kingdom. And that's the primary place that we function, both at the same time. Heavenly realm, earthly realm. Unseen, seen. So, this is in your notes, write it down. Heavenly realm, hope, unseen reality, hope, is a person. It's a person. It's Jesus. All our hope is in him. He's the beginning and the end. He's, he's everything. Through him, all things are created. He is, so hope is a person. Earthly realm hope is in our circumstances. And so we hope that we'll get better. We hope that we'll get promoted. We hope that um, we'll have better relationships. We hope that all of that's earthly realm and it's legitimate. But our higher hope is in Christ. It's in who he is. It's a dependency upon him that even when we're hurting, even when we don't see, we put our hope in him because hope is a person. Heavenly realm hope, unseen realm Reality, hope, makes no sense earthly realm on many occasions. Because, let's go back to that scripture. He believed, he hoped against hope. He hoped in the unseen against what in, in the earthly realm didn't make sense at all. Against hope. He hoped against hope. It doesn't make sense. And it's a constant fight. And so it coexists. Earthly realm and heavenly realm, hope, coexist. Both at the same time. Several of you um, asked me how our trip was. We went to Seattle to see our kids out there. And my, so I, I came home thinking about the trip. And, and, and here's how I evaluate it. It was wonderful and it was awful. But in the earthly realm, don't we usually think of all or nothing? Yep. It was either all good 
or is all bad? So on the, as I'm going to the airport, I'm, I start feeling sick. And I'm thinking, you have got to be kidding me. I can't believe this. And as I, and by the time I woke up on Thanksgiving, so we flew out on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day, I had full-blown chest cold. And it was awful. Coughing, hacking. Walked in the door and um, my, my son said, oh, and by the way, we've all been sick for a month. I said, oh, good. I'm in great company. Because the little one's coughing, the, mid, you know, the middle, the three-year-old's coughing, um, the five-year-old's sneezing, the seven-year-old seems okay, my son's coughing and hacking, everybody. It's just, so it's just like a chorus. <laughs> and I, I, I turned to my grandkids, I said, I wonder if we can cough a song. <laughs> they said, Papa, what are you talking about? And so I, I was sick, and then in addition to that, there were some stuff that happened, circumstances, and just things got crossways in, in some different ways. But I, no, I, know, and I noticed that a number of years ago, I would have just been frustrated because I used to view time away as I, I'm just putting all my hope in it. You know, I'm tired. Now when I'm going away, I'm, I want to be restored emotionally and physically. You know, I, I'm just... Because, and then when I would get sick or something would happen, I would be so disappointed. I'd come back, to, you know, discouraged because it didn't go well. But the last few years, I've noticed that I'm, I'm coexisting. So I get sick, but I'm, it's still okay. Things go sideways in, in some relational stuff, and I'm still okay. Because we coexist in both realities, and, and we have to choose which we're going to rely on. Amen. And God has supernaturally given me the ability to rely on the unseen one and continue to enjoy the grandkids and, and um, the activities that we're going, even as I'm coughing and hacking, have to take extra naps and don't feel all that great. I choose this. So, and so here's the deal. Most of our lives are going to be like that. Yep. Awful and wonderful at the same time. Yep. Which will we choose to live in most? It's a choice. And so I came back, and ironically, when I don't have those expectations, I come back refreshed. Even when I'm sick, I come back refreshed, encouraged, um, with all these great memories, with the grandkids. Um, and that's what hope in the unseen is all about. Living, so next bullet point, living true biblical hope means hoping against hope. It means in the midst of situations in the earthly realm that look hopeless, I can still have biblical hope. I can still put my hope in Jesus. It's choosing the unseen heavenly reality over the seen earthly reality. And so the hard challenge in the nitty gritty of life is, am I okay with awful? When, it, when I really don't like it, am I okay with it? Am I willing to say, God's got it? If he could take it away if he wanted to, but he didn't. Am I, willing, am I willing to live in the unseen? Am I willing to choose that? That's, that's really at the core of life. So I looked at different um, 
So Romans chapter 4.18, I put it there in your outline. This is the ESV. Talking about Abraham, referring back to Abraham as an example of someone who hoped. And so it it says, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed against hope. And so I, 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 I thought, I look it up in different versions to see how they describe it. And I found some wonderful phrasing. And, I, and so I put it, it's up here, right? So in the NIV, it says, against all hope, against all earthly realm hope, against all the circumstances of what should not be able to happen. Abraham in hope believed. He chose to believe, he chose to put his hope in a person, Jesus Christ. And became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. You see, when we hope in the unseen realm, when we hope in the, in the heavenly reality, it's because we are putting our faith in Jesus who has given us promises. Amen. It's not making it up. Oh, God would want me to have this. Is looking at the truth of the Word of God and the promises that He's made. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can go through awful, and it can still be wonderful. In the New King James Version, talking about Abraham, contrary to hope, and hope he believed, contrary to the circumstances that looked hopeless, in hope he believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what? was spoken by God to him. So shall your descendants be. The New Living Translation. Even when there was no reason for hope, and this is, this is what we'll face in the, the seen reality. There will be times in our lives when, when people will say, you're crazy for putting your hope in God. Look at the situations. Why, how could you hope in God? Look at, it's impossible. Even when there was no reason to hope. And you go, yep, early realm, there's no reason to hope. That's, that's just true. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, the promise, the person and the promise. That's how many descendants you will have. And then in the message, which is a paraphrase, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. There you go. When everything's hopeless in the earthly realm, believe anyway. What did he believe? God's promise. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. I love that. Because it's moving from earthly realm, what I can do, to unseen realm, what God can, will do. And so he was made the father of multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. So open your Bible to Romans chapter 4, and let's look at um, some of the verses on either side of verse 18. Romans chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. 
So here's the example of what it looks like to hope. And as I was thinking about this message, you can take people from every book of the Bible and see the same kind of example. They have given us a heritage of getting our eyes off of the scene to putting our eyes on the unseen. Getting our, our eyes off of what it looks like to what God says and who He is. Romans 4.17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hope is a person. That's the person. Because God operates in a different realm. In hope he believed against hope. Abraham believed against hope. When all the circumstances... So the situation is, Abraham has been called from a land of pagans, told to leave his home and just start traveling and following him. And God gives him a promise. You are going to be the father of many nations. 25 years goes by. And, and now he's pushing 100 years old. His wife is 90, past childbearing. And just isn't as high. So while we were in Seattle... I um, I FaceTimed with the three-year-old and the five-year-old with my mom, who's pushing 90. And we had a good little visit, and they, she she was thrilled to see them. Even through the Alzheimer's, she was just thrilled to see them. But we got off the call, and I, I turned to the five-year-old and go, can you believe that there was a person in the Bible who had a baby when she was great-grandma's age? And go... No way. No, that can't be that can't be true. Yeah, really. No, that doesn't happen. Okay, back to the original programming. <laughs> so that's the situation. He's pushing 100, she's 90, and God is saying, I still believe that through you you're gonna be the father of many nations. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. 25 years from the time of the promise to the fulfillment. That's a long time to keep hoping. That's a, when all the circumstances say you're crazy. When Sarah at times said, let's do it a different way. When Abraham said, let's have, how about my servant? He continued to believe. He continued to follow God, even when it was hard. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Hope, true biblical hope, is based in the person of Jesus Christ and the promises of the Word of God to us. Fully convinced uh, no unbelief made him waver, verse 20, concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Biblical, true biblical hope says, I will praise you no matter the circumstances. Lord, it's awful and you know it's awful, but I choose to live in your wonder. I choose to live in your truth. I choose to believe you no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter how hopeless it is in this realm, fully convinced that God was able to do 
what He had promised. There's not a promise that God ever makes in His Word or by His Spirit to us that is impossible for Him to fulfill. That's biblical hope. So, I'm going to skip the rest. We're going to be talking about hope in the weeks ahead. But I want to go back to the original question. What are the things in your life or other people's lives that have caused people to be hopeless? So often it's circumstance, it's pain. Physical, emotional, relational, discouragement. What is it that caused 50,000 people to take their lives in 2022 in the United States? Hopelessness. Is there any place in your life where you're living with more hopelessness than you realize? Because that's where the enemy will tap in. He'll try to get a hold of that. He'll try to watch to see where you're getting discouraged. And he'll try to pull you away from the hope that is in Christ. And get your eyes on the circumstances. Um, I was talking to somebody, there's a bunch of sickness going around. Um, Seattle here, everywhere. And I was talking to somebody, and one of the things that I experience is in the middle of the night, when you're feeling awful, and it's gloomy, and it's hard to keep your hope up. And, I th- and, and there have been times where I, and I think, I understand how people can lose their hope. But one of the things that, in addition to God having me on my knees in the morning and the evening, I noticed this time when I got sick, God invited me in the middle of the night to get on my knees and just be with Him and activate our memory verse from Romans 8.26. When we don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays through us. There were a couple of nights when I spent a couple of hours on my knees. But you know what I experienced? When I got up off my knees, it was different. I was still sick, and I was still tired, I was still frustrated, but something shifted in my soul because I think it was a means of moving hope from the earthly realm to the heavenly realm. Amen. It doesn't make any sense, right? When you're sick, you got to stay in bed and sleep. God says, no, come spend time with me, get on, get on your knees, stay awake, and, and just rest in me, and something changes. That's just the, just pay attention. To the nudges of God. So what is it that might be causing you hopelessness? God is bigger. Amen. Would you bow your heads? What is causing you or nudging you to be hopeless or causing you to get discouraged. Or maybe thinking it'll never be different. And you're not sure you can live with that. Is there some place in that that you need to take your eyes off of this world and put your eyes on Christ who is hope and activate His promises in your life. 
Lord, I pray that you would reveal any place where we're living resignation instead of hope. And that you would push us, prod us, whatever it needs, whatever we need in order to live this true living hope. During this Advent season, I pray that you would open our eyes in fresh ways to live in hope. And in such a powerful way that we become pipelines of your presence. A part of which is hope that will pour out to others. I pray that you would uh, leverage this season in our lives so that you, we will see the opportunities to point people to you when everybody's looking at presents and decorations. May you be glorified. May you be honored. Lord, help us to surrender, listen, obey, and experience you. You are our living hope. In the name of Jesus, we claim that and we pray that. Amen.